We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. And welcome to another edition of Courtside with Christy and Gabe. I am Christy Winter Scott, joined as always by my guy, Gabe Ibrahim. And Gabe, we are in the final third of the WNBA season. And every single week, it seems like we have new storylines to examine and break down. Yeah, yeah, we do. Uh, and, and, you know, you guys should follow. Subscribe. We haven't said that in like four episodes. <laughs> Subscribe to us on YouTube, please. We know, we know a lot of y'all are doing it anyways, and we appreciate it, but we're going to tell you. Our Twitter names are below us, or, or, or right there on the Her Hoop Sass Podcast Network. Thanks for hanging out. Um, but make sure you click like and subscribe because that helps us out a lot. Yeah. But yeah, and, and you know, we're going to dip a little bit into some college basketball today. Oh, snap. Because we have some... Some some storylines. We do we branches. Some, yeah. yeah. I also I also started doing my prep for uh college <laughs> basketball season. I started doing some depth charts for the ACC, figuring out who lost and and all that. So we'll we'll get, we'll get into that's later. That stuff yeah. is later. But the the storylines. Peeking, peeking the, at it. We do get to dip a little bit into uh college basketball uh this week, and you know obviously we'll talk about the W and all that. Uh, do you want to start off with the college basketball news? I think we must. I think that we must, you know, because when we're talking about college basketball, we're talking about the reigning champs with South Carolina Mm -hmm. and Dawn Staley and Aaliyah Boston, who is returning for a senior year. But not only that, wasn't she named player of the year last year? Uh, But yes, she was. Okay, I was just checking. I mean, it's been a minute. And defensive. And defensive player of the year and yeah. uh, NCAA tournament most outstanding player. Um, and I think pretty much any award that she could have possibly gotten, she did. Just all of them. Yeah. And champion. So, you know, there was a little up in armness 
about the upcoming awards on the ESPYs and mm -hmm. who received invitations to be present yeah. and, and who didn't, or am I getting that wrong? Or no one got invited initially and now everyone's invited. So or you, you clarify it for me because you know. The only thing we know is that there is an award for uh, best female college athlete, I believe is, is the category, um, which is fantastic. That's great. And we know that Aaliyah Boston is obviously nominated for this award because of all of the things we just mentioned. Okay. <laughs> However, I guess what happened was ESPN was not going to uh, televise that award due okay. to time or whatever, due to time restrictions. And they didn't invite the nominees, or at least they did not invite Aaliyah Boston okay. to the event. So that, that was the initial thing. Um, you know, uh, Aaliyah's, I guess, I guess her agent, her NIL representative, um, NIL. Jade, Lee, Jade Lee English tweeted about it. Don Staley tweeted about it. There's huge yes. uproar as there should be, because how are you going to have an award? Why, why, why would you have this award and not invite the player who's probably going to win it? Um, and mm -hmm. also how are you going to have the SBs without the best player in college in women's college basketball, arguably the best player in college basketball, right. flat out period. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, but so then after this, there was obviously social media um, pressure on ESPN to change course. They did. They changed course and they invited her, um, but Aaliyah declined. And I want to read out her, at, at least okay. part of her, actually, I'm just going to read out the whole statement. Yeah. here. So She's like, uh, she tweeted this out. Um, so she, her, her statement says to be nominated for an SB this year meant the world to me and my family while it hurt finding out that they wouldn't be televising the category, despite it being televised last year and had no intentions for me to attend. It hurt more to see ESPN change course and invite me only after social media caught wind of it. Respectfully, I declined. I'm used to this. It's just another moment when the disrespect and erasure of black women is brushed off as a mistake or an oversight. Another excuse for why our milestones and accomplishments aren't a priority this year, even now, 50 years after Title IX. To every Black girl and every Black woman, no one can take away what God has in store for you. You matter. You are valuable. You are a priority. You are seen. You are loved. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Signed, Delia Boston. Um, that's, that's her statement. Uh, I think it's pretty powerful, especially coming from someone who doesn't typically get in the fray of these things because... You know, she, she is above it. Um, I thought it was just, a, it's a powerful statement. And I, I really respect her for not only declining the invitation, but also for standing up for herself in the way she did. Emphatically profound. Mm -hmm. Those words from a young woman who has already felt slighted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to know that your best isn't good enough in, in the eyes of some people. Um, and I'm not saying ESPN, I'm just saying everyone in general, like they're, that is like a microcosm mm -hmm. of a societal issue that cannot be overstated. Uh, you can do your best. That's why, you know, my dad used to always say you have to be a hundred times better. Right. You just have to, because then you will get the, <laughs> the most minuscule level of respect even being a hundred times better, even proving your worth, even winning it all, even having every award, there's still going to be some level of, well, that's just not good enough. Mm -hmm. uh, 
So to hear her say that, I mean, if that's not a mini sermonette right there, like yeah. that's a sermonette, those, those words. And for her to feel what she felt, say what she felt, but also in that same moment, in those same words, in the frame of all those words, uplift others. And not just young women, not just girls, but women of color in general. I mean, that's it for me. I mean, that, that does it for me. I, I just think when you can have that level of grace, not only for yourself, but for others around you, others behind you, others who are ahead of you um, in life who understand what that feels like, that, that's saying a lot. And I respect her for that. No, and I just hate that she has, she's put in this position to do, to have to do this, um, you know, cause it's first off, like you should be televising this award. It's an award show. Like just put all the award. If you're not like, what's the point of having an award if you're not going to put it on TV. Um, right. I don't watch these things. So I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I, I, maybe I'm misunderstanding what happens at these award shows, but I just hate that she's been put in this position and you know, someone pointed this out on Twitter, and I'm sorry to not give credit to whoever said this, but someone pointed out that ESPN used and used and used the film of Aaliyah crying after they won the oh. national championship, uh, after they lost the national championship. The year before. Yeah. The year before. And then for her to come back, right? For her to come back, overcome that hurt and that pain and yeah. become a champion this yeah. year in a static yep. fashion with her as the leader of the team, not only with her play on the court, but how she led them off the court and in practice and those things that we only got glimpses of. And you can right. hear Don Staley talking about for her to do all that and, and come out on the other side. And then the same, the same people who made her feel bad are not recognizing her story of overcoming. It seems just so shady to me. Um, and, and it's disappointing, but like you said, this is the microcosm of women's basketball. And in particular for black women in this sport, that this is what happens. And, and I just don't know what we can, like, I, we can't say anything to change it. We have to just, I don't, I don't even know. Wait until someone comes into the, the head, the head offices of ESPN that cares about this stuff as much as we do. Um, you know, and that, I think that would solve the whole problem, right? If you had someone planning the ESPYs, that really cared about, you know, women's college basketball or even, you know, women's college soccer, women's college wrestling, like whatever sport that involves women. If you have people that actually care about it, you don't make this quote unquote oversight. And we can give them a benefit of the doubt and say it wasn't oversight. All right, let's say it's an oversight. That's why you need people in those rooms who care about every sport, right? right. That's why you need black women in these rooms that care about these sports. And let me tell you, it's not hard to find qualified black women to get into these rooms i'm just and that's just like a thing we've been talking about on this podcast since we started right. um and it's just you know it's disappointing that we're still here and it's really disappointing that leah was put in that situation um and, and made to feel hurt again uh right. that being said i'm sure she's gonna come back next year and do bet do even better than she did the year before and she will be up for this award again and i hope next year there will be no oversight and this award will be not only televised, but Aaliyah Boston will re be receiving it on television. Right. I just, I don't know what goes into, right. you know, what, what makes the, the rundown for, for these award shows and 
what gets left on the cutting room floor in terms of which awards will be televised, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to act like I know how that operates and how that works. Um, but at the same time, you have Steph Curry, who's going to be the host, who is all about being a girl dad, mm -hmm. like the late great iconic Kobe Bryant, like he's taken kind of that torch. He has two daughters of his own. He has AZ Fudd designing a shoe for game five of the NBA finals. Like there is some cohesion there. Mm -hmm. And you would just think that um, it would be an easy um, check of the box, if you will, of, of having that happened, not just for Leah Boston and what she has been through, but for women's basketball. And I think the fact that she threw in Title IX, yep. it's been 50 years since Title IX and here we are still having to say, I respectfully decline because that's like saying, say you're sorry, you know, to your kids when they're little, like say you're sorry or say mm -hmm. thank you. It's like, that needs to be something that is like <laughs> within, right? And not something you need to be reminded to do. Right. Um, you know, hold the door for people behind you. Like, you know, as a mom, like I did that when my kids were young and now automatically they say, thank you. They do, they say, you know what I mean? Like they hold yeah. doors for people because somebody had to tell them ahead of time, this is how it's done. Like, this is what we're doing. Yeah. This is proper. This is the integrity of this moment. People, you know, you give respect to people around you. Uh, so I mean, for me, I don't know. And, and again, I don't know what goes into the advertising. I don't know what goes into this segment is, uh, you know, yeah. sponsored by this. So we don't have enough time for, I don't know all that stuff. But what I do know, okay, is what it feels like to be uh, a black woman in sports. And it is a continuous fight to be heard, be seen, all the things that she said. Mm -hmm. And to num number one, be respected. And that's not just with this situation, that's with every situation. To be respected, like disrespect us. We're out here just like everybody else. And there should be no, well, yes, but A, B, and C. No, we're out here just like everybody else. You know, we bleed the same red blood everybody else does. Like we're, we're here. We are constructed from the inside just like everyone else. And that needs to be heard and respected on every level, inside and outside of sports, period, point blank. And Aaliyah Boston just encapsulated that in that, in that comment that she made. And I think it's gonna serve others well to read it. I hope and, so. And for who, and, and all of us feel it, I'm telling you who have, have lived for some time, you know, and if you haven't felt it yet, keep living because you're gonna feel it. And it's a continuous fight. And, you know, it just it really sends me over the top just in general. Uh, but this, this circumstance, you know, and for her to stand up, like I said, as a young woman is really commendable. Yeah. And, 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 um, I think your point about this, you know, this kind of being us, the women's basketball community telling ESPN, Hey, don't do that again. Hopefully the message sticks. Um, and hopefully it, it goes around like ESPN is not the only sports media company, um, that, that doesn't, you know perhaps doesn't know how to interact with the women's basketball community. But they've, or, or been, they've been uplifting it though. That's the thing that confuses me is because I mean, we have women in the studio, we have women calling the game, we have women making decisions, we have that. So it's, it's really hard to fathom like what, what, again, what that production rundown issue was for that specific award. I don't get it because on the outside, like you see all the women. So it's like, it's not like they're not 
in understanding of that, they understand it. Like, I think there's been a, a huge platform for women's basketball, not just yeah. on the collegiate level for WNBA. I mean, for soccer, like there's a huge push for women in sports right now. And, you know, to kind of take a step back after we just celebrated 50 years of Title IX is, is disappointing. Like, and I don't understand. Maybe someone can step forth and say like, well, this is why we yeah. weren't going to televise it. That would be better than to just wonder, like, you know, we see ESPN as pushing women in front of cameras. Yeah, and this is such a great platform for it. It just, it, it's, yeah. it would have been a very easy win and they, and, and they just ignored it. So. I would love to hear why it's not included. Um, and I hope, I think there's a best WNBA player award. Again, I don't watch the ESPYs. Um, but I hope, I think, there, I, I would hope that the WNBA players that are up for that award maybe go, although they're in the season. So that makes it even harder. So it's like, yeah. why wouldn't you televise the one with the players that are not in season? Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Just get I mean, Dawn was, Dawn went off. Dawn yeah. said what she said too. And Dawn's yeah. right. Just for, as always. <laughs> I mean, but she's not yeah. going to hold back. I mean, she's been through it too. Yeah. I mean, she's walked that journey too. She's still on that journey. Listen, like we get it. And we're not just going to sit by and say, yeah, that's unfair. Like, or yeah, that feels bad. No, we're going to say, hey, hang in there and hold that rope. That's what we're saying to the generations behind us. Mm-hmm. Like, no. And, and I think, you know, what Don said was very profound as well. Like she and Aaliyah both. No, I I think it's doing. I, I think the the previous like Dawn yourself, the the women who came before our generation, they you, you guys have done more than tell us to hold on to rope. The reason why there's so much investment now uh, in the game is because of what y'all did, and the reason there will be more investment in the future is because of what Leah Boston's going to do. There you go. And, and you know we can go down we can go down the list of a ton of players um, who have made women's basketball what it is today. So I mean. I, I don't know. Look, it's a thing. It happened. Great. We will move forward and we will and we will be watching Leah Boston play basketball soon enough. And then we could talk about her play basketball, which is awesome because God, I just love it. Um, <laughs> I do want to give a, a just a brief uh, update on the Brittany Griner um, trial in Russia trial. Uh, it was adjourned after she's already pled guilty. They had character witnesses to hopefully, you know, diminish the sentencing time although it's kind of looking like that may not matter because there's rumors of a prisoner exchange going on uh there's a former governor of new mexico in russia who is like an expert in these things and has already negotiated a couple things with the russians before so hopefully uh this is moving towards a conclusion with with britney coming home um but you know we've said a lot about the bg situation um and just still scary uh, but hopefully, hopefully this is just a signal that, you know, we're going to wrap this up and, and she'll be home soon enough. I hope so. I mean, bring BG home. I mean, all the videos and everything of her mm-hmm. where she just looks terrified or she's shaking her head. It's just so unnerving. Mm-hmm. And like you said, scary. And it's just, I don't know, it's really rough, but hopefully it'll be sooner than later. Yeah. And it looks, it, it at least looks like the wheels are in motion. So, right. um, yeah, it, it is. It is uh, unfortunately what it is at the moment, but I'm hoping that and soon and, and she'll be home um, for all of us. Uh, all right. Let's talk a little bit about basketball. Well, kind of actually, never mind. We, we can't talk about basketball quite yet. Just one, one little thing. 
Uh, I wanted to I wanted to get your reaction okay. to uh, the Minnesota Lynx having travel issues coming to Washington D.C. This is not okay. a new story. You guys, you guys know what happens because the WNBA insists on flying commercial. Um, they the Lynx had several delays. I think they left Indiana at like you know midnight or something and got into D.C. Um, early. Uh, before the game before a three o'clock game they asked Mike Tebow to move the game time of course that was not possible uh not only because it was it was a game and it was scheduled at that at that time and all the things that come with that uh, it was also Japanese Heritage Day so like there's Japanese dignitaries coming to the game yeah uh, so we absolutely could not move this game um and uh Mike Mike Tebow got in a little bit of hot water for doing the little fake crying uh, about the the links woes uh seems like i mean it did cheryl reeve it, mike issued an apology for that cheryl reeve said it's it's fine there's respect between us and you know that that's never going to change uh just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole situation okay well first of all um and knowing both coaches yeah. first of all they they revere one another and there's a high level of respect obviously with what Cheryl Reeve said, but also from what Mike Tebow said initially, yeah. like I, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said it that way or made the, the crying emoji motion or whatever. Um, but for me, I mean, this is not new. I mean, there have been travel snafus. I mean, the mystics, I think had to do trains, planes and automobiles when they were playing Connecticut and still played that game and won wow. the game and won. So, I mean, there, everyone has their own, situations um but for washington they could not change that game uh, for all the reasons that you stated and plus it was on tv there were, you know it was a lot of things go into that you can't just like move it around like uh, like an aau game like they're scheduling mm -hmm. there are other things involved in the process of it and for it to be an early game there's really less wiggle room to do anything you know um in that regard so hey man listen everybody has their own opinion and you're allowed to have that uh, last I heard, you're allowed to have your own opinion on things. This is what we were just saying about yeah. Dawn and, and Aaliyah Boston. Like, you're allowed to voice your opinion. If something bothers you or you feel a certain way, like, you should be able to do that. But I think what Mike Tebow said um, about, you know, I shouldn't have, yeah. I, 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 I'm giving him grace on that. And I'm giving Cheryl Reeve grace on saying, hey, this isn't going to change our relationship as, yeah. as friends and colleagues over the years, going back to USA basketball and even before that. So come on. I think it got really, it got picked up. Um, some Twitter uh, fire people were saying some really negative things. And I think that was overboard okay. on something like that. I mean, this is a commonality, unfortunately, right now in the league. And, and they're trying to work on ways to fix it. Kathy Engelbert is saying for the finals, they can charter in those games. So we, you know, there, there's the needle has been moved a bit and it's going to continue to improve. But I just think it was, it was a lot to be said <laughs> about, about the one thing. And okay. He said it was wrong. He apologized and let's move on. And it's like, boy, everything kept picking up and like, you know, I, I just think that everyone's entitled, but I do know also this is a couple of years back when um, Vegas, was it Vegas that came in um, late? They yeah. had a miserable travel day. I was already at the arena, okay? And people told me when I walked in, like, you know, two hours, 90 minutes ahead of the game that um, Vegas wasn't coming out of the hotel. They're not gonna play and they're gonna forfeit the game. Now that forfeit- yeah, I remember them. 
that cost them a playoff appearance that year mm-hmm. because they were a half game away or a game away or something. It was like because of that game, they didn't make it. Right. Um, but they, the players were like, we're not playing. And they didn't play it. Fans were there and everything. Like we were there ahead of the game and all that. Like, you know, it was raining too that day. It was like a miserable day to get to the gym, right? But guess what? They said they weren't going to play. They forfeited, okay? And they didn't make the playoffs at the end of that season. And it was because of that game, Um, you know. So I don't know. For me, you just have to bite the bullet and, and go with it and do the best you can under the circumstances. And I'm not saying... You know, if you're injured, play through an injury or, or whatever. I mean, there are ways to accommodate professional yeah. athletes. And I think there's a lot of ways now with technology and, and all kinds of things, a cryo and, you know, all kinds of things that can, can help you recover quickly. It's not ideal, but it can be done. Yeah. So it's not like you're like hanging out there, like with, you know, can't do anything to kind of help the situation. I think this is to bring it back to the Leo Boston situation. This would be like getting mad. Like if you're mad at Mike Tebow, this is like getting mad at Steph Curry for I mean, hosting the award. Like it's not Mike Tebow's fault that the WNBA is forcing not. their teams to for- fly commercial. It's not during a pandemic. Say that in one of the worst worker shortages the airlines have ever seen. Yeah. That uh, that's the problem. I've identified the problem. That's the only problem. And like, look, yeah, Mike should have, Mike, Mike could have been more sympathetic. He's a guy. Mike is very um, honest and 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 straightforward in his <laughs> press conferences. He's very funny. He is great for me because <laughs> I am a media member covering the team, and I really appreciate Mike. And I hope he never changes, and he never will because he does not care about your opinion. Um, but I get I get where he's coming from. He's like, look, it's not our problem that the league makes teams do this. We're going to, it's going to happen to us. And when it happens to us, no one's going to feel bad. There you go. And then, and Shatori said that after the game too. (laughs) Although Shatori, another person brutally honest in the press conference. (laughs) Like as Elizabeth Williams was trying to be like, you know, kind of sympathetic. And and Shatori's like, come on, you can't feel bad for this happened to us. And I get it. Like I get, I get where, where the mystics are coming from. I understand why the links um, feel slighted by the league because uh, the league didn't do anything to help them. Uh, the league kind of just let them dangle out there and, and deal with, uh, you know, all the airlines by themselves um, and, and deal with the, you know, ha- forcing the links basically to ask the mystics for concessions rather than whatever solution was going to happen coming from the league. Right. Right. I understand that. But at the end of the day, the only, if you're mad about the situation, the, people to be mad at are the WNBA and the current collective bargaining agreement. Uh, and hopefully it'll change. Cause this is, it's, an, it's very silly for us to still be doing this at this point. Yeah. I mean, I just think like what you said, it's not, it's not Mike Tebow. That's like, you know, <laughs> delaying the, the flights and making it like impossible to change the game time. You know, it's not him. And uh, impossible for the team to charter the plane. Cause right. Minnesota's owners, or have money. It's Alex Rodriguez. Like he has enough money to charter a plane in the time it would take for them, for the, the links to get on the air. Like he could have yeah. done it if it was allowed. Right. If it was allowed. And I think that's, you know, that's something that's like we said, you know, it's a, a continued process 
as they're you know trying to move the needle in that direction and and we see that i mean it's it's on the way it's just not going to happen like at a, a you know clap of a hand or snap of a finger it's not going to happen like that and life is life and things happen that way and is it miserable to be delayed absolutely i think everybody listening and everyone the two of us we've mm. been delayed when we've traveled and it's no fun but on top of that you would have to compete after that and i get it so yeah. you know that's a different animal as well but you know i i just think that it's it's over like it was said and it was apologized for it was accepted and we're done we're done we're done that's but, it, but that's still, just me a hilarious thank thank you mike for another hilarious gif <laughs> Mike is like, great. Like, yeah. Mike is, is a legend in the category of creating yeah. content for us. Um, and he's also a legend in the WNBA with the most wins. So it's not, you uh, know, he, he's fine. Leave yeah, alone. I, I guess if we want, you know, oh, we want to talk about winning. A, I like him as a <laughs> meme generator. Uh, but I guess if we want to talk about his winning his coach in WNBA history. We could do that too. Uh, Add that in. Like, yeah, I want to mention one more person, uh, <laughs> one more little bit of news. Uh, Bria Hartley ends up with the yeah. Connecticut Sun after uh, getting waived. I'm, I'm not sure if it was a buyout. I'm sorry. I was not paying attention to that that closely because we're in the middle of the year, so it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets she gets waived by Indiana. Uh, fever. Yeah, the fever pickup, Renai Davis, in, in their continuing quest to uh, accumulate as many young players as possible. Um, and Hartley goes to the Sun. When we talked about the Sun last on our power rankings, we were concerned about their guard position. Yep. Bria Hartley is not going to be the answer to these problems, mm-hmm. but I think she could be part of the solution. And she gave them some pretty good minutes uh, in their last game against, I don't remember exactly. I think it was Vegas, but I don't want to say it wrong because Thanks. I'll be wrong. Uh, <laughs> it was the camp day game or no, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, they played Vegas oh, and then they all, no, New York, New York. That's New York. Okay. It was New York. Yeah. yeah. Another team that I want to talk about, but not for positive reasons. Uh, <laughs> but she played pretty well. I thought she did. She made some nice uh, reads out of the pick and roll. I think she, you know, gave them good defense. Um, I think she was, she's another option there in that backcourt and they need those options. This is taking away minutes from uh, Nia Cloudon, which hurts my, my feelings, but I think it, yeah. it's a good move for Connecticut and it could pay off dividends in the playoffs. Well, I like it because of the experience that Bria Hartley brings to the table, number one. Um, also, you know, she was having her, her best career numbers when she uh, got hurt down there in the bubble. Uh, you know, I think she was averaging like 14 points and almost four or five assists a game. But she had like a solid stat line that season. And I think they were really counting on her um, that year. But at the same time, I think for her to be able to get back physically yeah. and mentally, you know, back in the fold and, and get a flow and be on a team that has some vets on it, you know, some players with some years under their belt. I think it's, and it's tough for Nia Cloud and I get it, but at the same time, I think it does bolster their front line when they have, you know, their perimeter players who have experience. I mean, without Jasmine Thomas on the floor, I think that's going to be a challenge, you know, as they mm-hmm. push for the playoffs, they're going to need depth in that position, whether she plays gaudy minutes or not. Right. I think it's really going to help them um, just with their knowledge. And you could see, you know, she was sitting there talking to Jasmine Thomas on the bench at one point during the game against New York. And she, you know, she's just trying yeah. to get the system and trying to get things. And they were back and forth with one another. So I think that can be kind of an extension of Jasmine Thomas in that regard with her understanding of what's expected in that role. Yeah. And I, I think the bigger thing, um, you know, you mentioned depth. 
And I, I think it's a big thing in the regular season because as we know, Kurt Miller is not shy about the minutes. You, they're playing a lot of minutes, um, but I think specifically for Natisha Heideman, um, yes. she, she's, she's a player who's very high energy. Um, mm-hmm. She's you know big on ball pressure. And I think being able to rest her a little bit more during the game makes her more effective later in the game. Now it right. didn't matter against New York. So we'll have to see, but I think getting someone to spell her that you can rely on that's vet that knows what's happening um, is a, is a big deal because then she's going to have more energy late in games. I, I think right. that'll be a big part of this signing. Again, I don't think this is going to like swing the championship or anything, but it, it, these are little things on the margins that when we look back at a team's success come up because Bria Hartley is a better option than what they had. So now it gives them mm-hmm. something that maybe Kurt Miller can trust a little bit more and makes them more complete for the postseason. Um, that's the release. No, I agree. No, I agree with that. And I think, you know, Kerr Miller, I mean, he knows that last year was a, a good opportunity that they missed. Um, you know, whether Alyssa Thomas coming in at the end kind of, you know, monkey wrenched the chemistry or not, you know, now they have something else that they need to master chemistry wise. And that's getting Bria Hartley up to speed as they make a push through the playoffs. Yeah. And um, John Cole Jones was out in that game as well, just to. She just sure to, was. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it hasn't been like reported as a bad injury, just a nagging one. Um, or no, was she, I thought she was health and safety. She had, didn't she have an injury though? She had an injury at some point. Or am I imagining this? Uh, I know I, the last two games she's missed because of health and safety protocols. Okay. So then that was it. Um, that I, I, I imagine the shoulder injury and she's fine. Um, so she'll be, she'll be back once, uh, once that all, once she's all clear on the availability. Uh, so yeah, that's good. There was someone, oh, oh, it was, it was, it was Liz. That's who I was complaining. I was complaining. Oh yeah. Cause yeah. Liz was out with health and safety. Uh, and then she was out for reconditioning after that. Um, right. So right. That's, that's my bad. That's um, right. Yeah. So John Cole's going to come back and then they'll be whole. Can we, can we just move over to the team that I was just, they, I was talking about Connecticut playing? Yes. Okay. I'm just, I don't want to sound too negative. Okay. I don't on. like being negative. No, you the, don't. Well, maybe I do. I don't know. No, but you don't. <laughs> the New York Liberty are just so frustrating to me because they are, they are a good team, right? Like, you know, if I tell you, like, they had two players in the All-Star game. That's more than the Mystics had. Hmm. Like, this team has talent. Sabrina, Natasha Howard. Beck Allen has been awesome. Steph Dolson, Han Zhu, Maureen Johannes. These players are great. Sammy Wickham, awesome. Like, they have talent. And I said this on Twitter. I'm going to explain it now because people ask me to explain. I think the Liberty are like 90% of the way to being a solid playoff team. Not in like, you know, the Mystics category or, you know, like really a contender. Mm-hmm. But in the playoffs, solidly. And I think that would be a step up because we, we want Sabrina to get, if, if we're the Liberty, we want Sabrina and this team to get more experience in the playoffs, um, you know, for when they go forward. Obviously, they've had a lot of injuries this year. Jocelyn Malibu just came back, but yes. Nigel Laney has been hurt still, and we don't know when she's coming back. Um, mm-hmm. And then also Beck Allen was out for a, a long stretch. Right. It's just to me, this team is, like I said, 90% of the way there. And 5% of that is injuries. True. Totally. The other 
is a mixture of turnovers and just something like some form of mental mistakes in every game. And it costs them a lot of games this season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's little things. It's like, you know, not getting your hand up in a closeout, right? Like there, there's closeouts where this, this team gets out, stops, prevents, prevents the drive. Mm-hmm. And the players are standing there. So DJ Carrington, Sabrina was the closeout. And Sabrina, obviously, yeah. which was playing a great game. But mm-hmm. it was just like a little thing. Like Sabrina goes, stops, prevents the drive, is standing there, and just forgets to put her hand in front of her in front of her opponent. Mm-hmm. And Carrington pulls up, shoots a three. And that was pretty much the, all she wrote at the end of that game because of the, the Liberty were trying to make a comeback. Right. Um, and it's just like these little mental mistakes. The turnovers have been terrible. I'm just I'm just so frustrated with this team because I think they can be good. Am I wrong? Like, am I wrong that they can be much better even with the injuries that they have? No, I, I think you're spot on. Um, I know that Sandy Brandello was in her first year there, and I get it. You know, sometimes you know you're you have a different philosophy, you have different situations that you can use with the personnel that you have, and you're still trying to iron that out. And I think that's why we've seen the up and down a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm putting that there, but I'm also going to co-sign with you about the turnover issues. And to me, a turnover is not always just a bad pass. Okay. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. Stay with me. Turnover <laughs> is sometimes a bad shot. Yeah. Okay. Where your teammates have no earthly clue that you're going to take that shot. So no one's in place for an offensive board. So mm-hmm. now the other team is taking this long rebound or getting this rebound that everyone's like, wait, a shot's up. The rhythm of the offense is not in sync on a consistent basis. And I think bad shot selection is a slash turnover, right? That's turning into easy offense the other way. And they're not getting to the offensive boards. They're not getting, you know, second and third chance opportunities because they don't know the shots going up. Mm-hmm. They're oblivious to the rhythm of, of the flow of their offense. And then all of a sudden, or they're late in the shot clock, and it's like somebody's got to take a bad shot. Uh, bad shot. We got to get the shot up. We got to get a shot up. And it's just not, and there's just no rhyme, reason, rhythm to what they're doing offensively sometimes, you know. But then sometimes, boy, I'll tell you what, though, they'll fire that three ball. I mean, they're 10 of 28 from three. They're going <laughs> to shoot the ball now. They're going to shoot it. But sometimes, like I'm saying, those long rebounds are not affording them good second and third chance opportunities because those long rebounds are going the other way because those guards are getting mm-hmm. it and they're gone. So there's that. Well, especially against Connecticut when they have but, Alyssa Thomas. And they, oh God, you know. I, you're so right. <laughs> like it, 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 there was a lot of times, and I understand because you're trying to make things happen. There's plenty of players on this team that are trying to make things happen. Uh, and it just goes wrong for them. And I'm just frustrating man and the i mean the big turnover the the big thing that they need to i think i i don't maybe i don't know if this is a system if this is you know players getting in trouble is like when they get pushed to the sideline on the pick and roll there's a tendency for this team to throw the ball across from slot to slot Mm. and that is just begging yeah as begging especially a team like connecticut to take the ball and put it in the basket and they did it like eight or nine times i think that was most of the turnovers for yeah. New York in that game were mm-hmm. these slot to slot passes that you have no chance of making. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't know uh, how many times have you told your team though, that a bad shot is a turnover in your 11. career. 50, 11 <laughs> <laughs> million. <laughs> a lot. Cause it is, it's like, man, nobody knew that was going up. 
it's like time out. Like that's, you know, that's the same as a turnover. Mm-hmm. It's the same as a turnover when you don't take care of why you're shooting it and when you're shooting it. Like, are you shooting it because it's a my turn shot? Are you shooting mm-hmm. it right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Are you shooting it because somebody else just scored three times? So you feel like, well, it's, let me see if I can get one in now. Mm-hmm. You know, is it a selfish situation? Yeah. And I'm not saying that about yeah. uh, New York, but as a coach, I've seen the full gamut of yeah. why shots go up and why the extra passes aren't made. And it's incredibly frustrating. And I'm not saying that's how they do it, but I'm just, you know, digressing. And I w- I would say specifically for the Liberty, it's not a selfishness problem. This team tosses the ball around. Like they are, they're unselfish. They're inventive. They're creative. (laughs) They just, I feel, all right, I brought, I bring this up like every third podcast, the quicksand thing from the movie, the replacements. Sometimes you're in quicksand and then you're like, we need to get out of this quicksand. I'm going to shoot this just jumper just to shoot it with 18 seconds on the shot clock. And you just get, they get panicked a little bit. Yes. And I don't, I don't know why. And I don't know. I, I, hopefully, Benajelani can come back mm-hmm. in this season. And yeah. like, I, like I think we mentioned in the last podcast, um, they have a really, really rough stretch here at the beginning of post All-Star. They have a really rough stretch. They played Las Vegas yeah. twice. They lost both those games. They gave up just a, just a metric ton of points. Yeah. Um, in, in those games against uh, Las Vegas, I think they yeah. gave up like 74 in the first half. Um, yeah. Weird stat here. Sorry, I just remembered that I looked this up. The four highest scoring halves of basketball this season have been by either the New York Liberty or the Las Vegas Aces against one another oh, boy. In, in the same games. Like the highest scoring second half was the New York <laughs> Liberty after the Aces' highest scoring first half in the same game. Dang. And the Aces come back in the next game and have the highest scoring first half ever in WNBA history. Oh my after, gosh. After the Liberty had the highest scoring second half in WNBA history. Oh my gosh. I know it was 107, 101, one of the games. And then the other game, Vegas just blew them out 100 and something to 70 something. Right? Like the yes. two game, back-to-back games. But that's insane. That's crazy that it's those two teams that have been that offensively um, potent. <laughs> well, it's, it's like, it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world to give up triple digits to the aces they do that or defensively anemic like which is it is it the offense that was potent or the defense yeah that was per, perhaps we should <laughs> perhaps i should have spent more of my complaining steps. time uh talking about the uh the defense for the liberty probably yeah yeah although, but i get it look the aces are really good um but so to, to continue here just like they had connecticut they lose they have washington they have chicago twice and then that is kind of like they they need to get they in my opinion they need to get one of those three games because if not you're looking at an end of the season schedule of playing Phoenix, Dallas, Los Angeles, and Atlanta mm-hmm. two times each sometimes and you gotta win all those games right to get into the playoffs and right so I would say it'd be a good time for them to pull out a game um, either tomorrow in the camp game uh, for the Mystics or against the sky at some point you, you gotta pull one of these out because if you don't uh there ain't no playoffs right yeah you gotta do it i think you know and it's crazy because it feels like they've put like you said like some halves together right they but they have not put together full games and i think they're just really waiting for that and i think poise and composure is at the top of the list for them because like you said they have the pieces 
and they just haven't been able to utilize them to their fullest potential because of the lack of, of composure and poise on the offensive end in particular. Uh, we'll see. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the Liberty. I'm hopeful. You're frustrated by them. I am. Cause I care. I like, I mean, you know, I care about all the teams, but I, I really like the Liberty, you know, I, I like what they put together. You know, I, I don't know. I just, their GM's a lawyer. It, it, it bent holes there. Like I want them to succeed. Right. Um, but currently they have a 14% chance of making the playoffs. Ah, there's that. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> that's enough on the Liberty. I hope, I hope things go better for them. Uh, the, so that's what, that's what I got on the lips. Um, do you want to talk? Let's talk mystics. It's us. Let's stop pretending. Let's stop pretending that we're not going to talk about the mystics. Uh, interesting three game stretch here for the mystics post um all-star break so they uh lose to phoenix and that's sandwiched in between two dominant wins against the sparks and the Lynx. so mm-hmm. just generally uh what are your takeaways from the, these three games obviously we got to see edd on a road trip which is great um but I, I was a little worried about the loss for phoenix so what what have you seen Yeah, I just think, you know, in that loss for Phoenix, I just think that, you know, that zone in the second half really slowed them down. And I think they really, um, you know, I was going to say got impatient, but I think they were kind of hesitant, you know, a couple of times in terms of how and when to attack the zone. And I think Mike Tebow said it best um, prior to their previous game. And he he just said, you know, we had tougher shots to make against their man-to-man. And we had easier shots to attempt against the zone and didn't take them in a timely rhythmic manner. And I think that just got them off, off base, you know, it just got them out of what they wanted to do in terms of when the ball was moving, where, Mm -hmm. and where they were looking to get shots. And, you know, they had the opportunities, you know, but sometimes I think I know for, um, for an instance, I know I saw Ariel Atkins one time just hesitate at the top. You know, I'm like, oh, she hesitated. And it was like an in-rhythm pass came right to her. And I'm like, normally she would just pull. And, um, you know, she ended up shooting it, but there was like a catch in the pause. And then she released it. And I'm like, oh, that's a hard shot to make. You know, when you do that, um, whether defense is giving you space or not. So I just think they were much better for it um, in the next game. Mm-hmm. I think they were, they were ready, you know, to see some zone from Minnesota and they mixed it up a little bit. Uh, Cheryl Reeve said that they were going to try to do that. Um, she also said that, you know, they've been struggling defensively Minnesota yeah. has, um, in terms of where they are, but Minnesota give them credit in the last 10 games prior to coming into DC, they were the top defensive. I mean, I'm sorry, the top offensive rating team uh, at 111. So they were doing what they needed to do offensively, but they just wanted to get right on the defensive end. And um, she said they were going to mix some things up defensively because of what they saw uh, Phoenix do, but also because she knows Mike Tebow again very well. And so she understands what, what he wants out of his offense and they're going to try to disrupt that. But I just think for, for Washington, they just need to make more deliberate and intentional reads regardless of whatever defense they see, you know, I mean, talk about a team with weapons offensively, come on, but but defensively I was calling them turnstiles, you know, it's just like, you got to get through one, but then there's another one. And then there's another one that are going to give you problems and, and disrupt you and, and take away the paint, not allow you to get 10 toes down. And I just think that, you know, Washington being the number two team overall in the league with their defensive rating, at, it was 95 and a half. 
going into the game um, against Minnesota. I'm sure it's better. I mean, yeah, they're right there. But Natasha Cloud said, hey, we're number two. We want to be number one yep. in defensive rating. So that's why they're playing with that level of pride and consistency on the defensive end. Yeah, they're, they're uh, at 92.3. Uh, Seattle's okay. at 91.8. Uh, very impressive, both those teams. Yeah, amazing. Um, I, all right, so my, I think the, the thing that I took away from the Mercury game is kind of what you're, what you're saying. Like, they just they played into the Mercury's hands. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was just I don't think it was like just the players on the court. I think, you know, the coaching staff kind of let them off the hook a little bit. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I would have liked to seen Shakira Austin play a little bit more in that second half. I think her ankle was bothering her, which is probably uh, the reason. Yeah. And she and, and they had to retape her ankle in the, in the follow up game as well against mm-hmm. Minnesota. So I, I think that was probably why that happened. But even, you know, trying to get Elizabeth Williams a little bit more involved offensively. I know it's it's been a tough stretch for her offensively, but she doesn't need to just post up like, right. She's a pretty, she's a pretty gifted passer too in the middle of the court. Um, so I think they just kind of, but it is what you're saying. Like when they see the zone, they try to change. And it's like, if you're playing against the zone, either you have your zone breakers and you go to that, or you just play what you're doing. And then you, you let the defense figure it out because you can spray, you know, this team can hit threes from anywhere pretty much that whole team on the court uh, for the, for the mass majority of the fourth quarter could hit threes from everywhere. Um, so I, I was a little nervous about that. I don't think that's something that's going to happen when the games get really tight. Hopefully there's right. not injuries involved. This team t- stays healthy as we've all you know. If they stay healthy has been a constant refrain from this team, but I think, you know, they just have to be a little, like you're saying more deliberate, more yeah. to their own identity no matter what the defense throws at them. And I think that's what they did against Minnesota. And so Coach T, Coach Tebow said that after the game, I asked him about the zone and he was like, yeah, we got to our spots more. The shots didn't fall, but you know, whatever. We, we got to their spots and then showed proof of concept. And I think hopefully that'll give them a little bit more confidence when they go into the playoffs, because I'm going to guarantee some, they're going to see zone in the playoffs. Absolutely. They're going to see zone in the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially when they have their big lineup on the floor. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, just, like you said, you know, regardless of it and, you know, regardless of what they see, they're just going to have to be in attack mode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Mike Tebow was looking for prior to the Minnesota game. I think he got that from them. Um, but now can you sustain that for the stretch run? I mean, there are eight games left in the regular season for the Mystics. So they've got to get those, you know, they've got to get this New York game. They got to get the home games. They got to get all of them, obviously. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You want all, but you, you want to get your home games, man. And you want to get um, some leverage and some continuity. I mean, speaking of leverage and continuity, I mean, Elena Deladon, Eastern conference player of the month, I mean, or the week, was it the week? It was the week. I think it's a week. I think it's the week, the week. Yeah. but still it feels like a month, but you know, <laughs> um, she's, she's been phenomenal. I mean, her presence on the floor is just, I mean, it, it's just, a vibration that that they don't have when she's not on the floor. I mean, they the defense is morphed to when Elena Deladon is on the floor. It changes their scheme. I don't care again what defense they they throw out there, but it's geared towards giving her a lot of attention defensively. And she did a masterful job of reading out of the double and double and a half. You know, I like to call it. It's like you got yeah. two on, but you have one shading. You know, or or pinching down, so you don't have a lot of space. But she was really good when she had those double teams coming her way and then the guard kind of pinching down mm-hmm, a little bit. She sure. really put the ball on the floor to escape one way or the other. 
out of the double team, but I thought she did a really good job of keeping her head on a swivel, protecting the ball and then making plays out of it um, time and time again against Minnesota in particular. So it's just really fun to see how crafty she can get, um, whether she's scoring the ball or not, but she's been really consistent with her ability to score. She, well, my first note in that game, and I don't have the timestamp. I think it was probably the first play of the game was literally all five defenders on her on EDD. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, and then Shakira also made a cut, which is what she has done just so well this year. And like, she really has not, not something I really expected from her, not because she's not a great player, just like that wasn't her role at Ole Miss for her to be coming in and doing that. We, we've talked about it, but it's just like, yeah, there's five defenders looking at Atlanta Delta when she has the ball. <laughs> it's, it's two and three halves, right? Mm-hmm. And, she, and she's making those reads and she's so patient with the ball um, that I, I, I'm, it's one of the best people I have in that situation. Oh, yeah. uh, and I tweeted this out uh, from the Her Hoop Stats account, uh, a little bit of a, little bit of a shady take. She sure, see, she sure sees a lot of uh, double teams for someone who did not make the All-Star game. Other coaches. Hello, game. That's all I'll say. Preach it. They're, they're sending a lot of double teams. To, uh, to Elena Deladon, despite her uh, not making the all-star team. That's all I'm saying. Um, double and a half. Double and a half. At, at, le- at the very least, you're sending two. At the very least, you're sending two. Um, and she has been phenomenal this year. And so, you know, I think we should yeah. take a second, too, also, because I remember at the beginning of the season, we were so unsure about her health. Oh, yeah. And, They're back, and, yeah. And, yeah. and she's she seems back. And I don't want to jinx it. I want to jinx it but she seems back and healthy and happy. And that is just awesome. Not, not just for like the mystics, like for basketball writ large and for her. Right. No doubt. I mean, I think there was a, a moment in the game where she fell down and she was laying on her back Yeah. and Natasha cloud went over to get her. And there was a look of concern on cloud's face. And I think Elena was giving herself a once over <laughs> just to make sure like she gave herself like a scan, you know, while she was there. And I think I had all five of my fingernails in the shoulder of Megan McPeak, who was next to me. So I was like, is she getting up? Like, yeah. Um, so I think there's still a level of, of uh, concern, you know, sometimes, and she's fine. But sometimes, you know, when she falls, it's just like, man, the mechanics, like she's had to really work on her entire body, like how to fall down, how to get up from falling down, how to move, like you see her warming up. Um, before the game but also before the second half just getting her like it's like this it's like she's like you know like a a a puppeteer like working with her just to make sure her body's on balance so when she falls down it's like oh man like I know how hard she has worked you know to realign her body and to get her mind in sync with how her body is moving I mean there's been like uh, just an incredible process that she has been through so I think you know, there was a collective like gasp and clutching of the collarbone area, uh, you know, and when she went down, you know, a couple of times, but, you know, just kudos to her for the fight that she has shown through her uh, rehab and, and her strengthening process that is ongoing. Like, it's not like, okay, she's back and go on about your business. So this is something that is like a daily routine to make sure that her body is, is doing what it's supposed to do. And her mind is in, in sync with that. And so it's just really kind of mesmerizing to see, you know, all of the things that she has to do to be able yeah. to, to be her best after it, that kind of an injury. No, yeah, she's the first to come in. She's the last to leave. And a lot of that is to get her body right. And I think, every time. you know, that, that's such a, that's why she's the leader she is. Also super funny. I think on that play that you're mentioning, Shatori came over and like did CPR 
Yeah. And I was like, Shatori, stop. First off, she did. check if she's okay first. Shatori is so she's something else. That's my girl, man. Uh, but uh, speaking of Shatori, how amazing has she been? She's been great. You know, off the bench, like yeah. a, a phenomenal piece, right? In terms of her efficient play. She's she sometimes. I'm not sure you're going to understand this reference. She sometimes goes Leroy Jenkins in the uh, transition. There's a very famous internet video where uh, there's it's a World of Warcraft video. Anyone okay. anyone on the internet understand like the like my age, uh, oh, okay. like this guy, like they're all like there's all these people are like sitting around making a plan uh, to go and attack these people in World okay. of Warcraft. And this guy just runs in and he yells, Leroy, he drank. And so he runs in and he gets everyone, everyone dies. Everyone dies on the team. Um, oh no. Shatori does sometimes have a tendency to do that. Uh, I think it, it uh, hurt the mystics a couple times late, but I'd rather see her being aggressive um, yeah. in, in that way than, than being a little tentative. And she has been aggressive and I think it's paid off for the mystics. And, you know, she's yeah. going to be a big part of this. Uh, I think that this is a deep, the, one of the reasons we believe in this team is because of their depth. And so seeing Shatori, you know, be aggressive is huge as well. Right. I would love to see it with some more consistency, but, you know, I think she's been really, really good lately. No, she's been really good. And I think, you know, she wants to be an energy giver. That's what mm -hmm. she said after the game. She's like, hey, I want to be an energy giver. I come in, I don't care how many minutes I play, but when I do come in, those minutes are going to be full of, of what I can bring. And whether it's on the defensive side, which she is so long and lengthy and disruptive and getting those passing lanes and getting those steals and blocks and whatnot, uh, or deflections, you know, just making people think the next time, you know, she's, she's a, a, a great key contributor off the bench and they need that. I mean, if they can depend on that, like coaches trust that you're going to bring that every day, every night. And I think that's why she's getting the minutes that she's getting. But also, I think that's why she's doing what she is doing in those minutes, you know, because she expected of herself to. Yeah, no, and, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more from this team, and they have, I mean, they're gonna need wins. Uh, they're sitting at sixteen and eleven. Uh, yeah. They're currently in the five seed. They would like to get out of that five seed, maybe get up to the three seed. They're only one game back um, in the win column from mm -hmm. Seattle and Connecticut. Um, so hopefully, they can you know pick up some games here. And, yeah. you know, maybe see those other teams lose because they, you don't want to be, as we mentioned last week, you don't want to be in that four or five matchup because no. then you're playing one of the sun or the storm or the aces, likely the sun or the storm. And uh, I don't want to be doing that if I'm the mystics. So right. they, they have a, they have a big stretch here. And then you look down the, the standings and there's, you know, it's still that, that huddled mass of teams um, here sitting around, 12 to nine wins from the Liberty to the dream in that right. realm. And I've heard some people also, I just want to mention this. Um, I've heard some people mention like, Oh, you know, the Liberty should, uh, you know, be focused more on Leah Boston in the draft now, cause they're not going to be good in the playoffs. And I just want to tell those people, you don't do that now. No, that decision was made. Should, if you're going to go on that path, that decision had to be made at the beginning of the year. Because right. that changes all of your personnel decisions. It changes everything you do when you yep. decide that at the beginning of the year. Shouts to the Indiana Fever. Um, <laughs> although I did bet on them to win the other day and they lost. <laughs> uh, but shouts to the Indiana Fever because they made that decision. They right. made the decision to play their young players and grow in that way. Right. And it's going to pay off for them and what their goals are. But I think it's very, it, it's like, it's almost disingenuous to say like, oh, now you, now you have to change streams and now you like quit on the season. You can't do that. Like no. the, the players aren't going to do that. The coaches aren't going to do that. 
Like that's not something that organizations can do at this point, especially with their roster. So New York's right. gonna have to go for the playoffs. I think all these teams are gonna have to go for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that's I mean, if you're a competitor, you don't want to pump the brakes when you're out there playing ball. So how are you play? How are you supposed to play like that? Halfway, half speed. You know, that's why I don't play anymore because I can't go half speed and I don't want to look crazy trying to go full speed. But you can't go hard if you have. You know, I mean, you can't go halfway if all you know is going hard. So, no, you can't, like, tank or fold or whatever and trying to get these draft picks. You got to just play it out. Do your best. That's how you're going to be better for the next year, right? That's how you're going to be better for uh, individually and as the team. So not just, you know, as the team as a whole, but each player collectively. You don't want to ask them not to go hard. Like, you can't do that. That's not fair. Well, it's also like a different situation, than even the Atlanta dream. Cause like the Atlanta dream have young players that they could turn the ball over to and they kind of have, and they've kind of kept winning because Nas Hillman has been awesome. And Ryan Howard has been <laughs> awesome subject for possibly next week's podcast. Um, yeah. How about but, Ryan? Yeah. But if Atlanta said, okay, you know what? We're, we can, we can, they could probably pack it in if they wanted to, they are obviously not doing that clearly based on what they have right. done. They beat, you know, the snot out of the aces. So they are not packing it in. Uh, anything I said last week about them was completely wrong. So ignore it, disregard, but like none of these teams can turn the ball over to the youngsters and, and let them play. Like you're already right. playing your youngsters. Yeah. Everyone's playing. Like there's everyone, yeah. the Liberty's playing. Everyone, the Lynx is playing Every, well, the Mercury yep. don't have their first round pick. Um, Everyone on the wings is playing. It's like they can't. They're you're not just going to change streams now to to be worse. So that's my only thing on the. Yeah, you can't. I agree with that. On the Liberty, um, but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a fun end of the season. And if you end this podcast in the next fifteen seconds, we're going to be at exactly oh. an hour, and I will be very happy. Oh my gosh! So okay, they cut the lights off. You don't have to go home. We got to get up out of here. And um, hey, for Gabe Ibrahim, I'm Christy Winter Scott. We'll see you next time Three, right here on Courtside. One.